Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Drum Network podcast. This time, we're taking a look at globalization in line with our globalization deep dive, which is taking place all this week on thedrum.com. We're all aware that many brands are going increasingly global, and that as a result of that, they're having to change how they work, how they present themselves to various audiences, and more importantly, how they think internally. And so to discuss absolutely everything to do with globalization, I'm delighted to be joined by some fantastic guests. One of the things that has become very clear from what we've published on the deep dive so far is that some of the underlying trends around globalization have remained the same ever since brands started to take themselves you know, onto the, onto the world stage, and others have really developed and come to the fore over the last couple of years. So, Max, I wondered if we could begin with you. Could you maybe tell us some of those underlying trends that you've seen in and around globalization and how brands are trying to position themselves over the last couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think the, the kind of theme around tech and collaboration is really interesting uh, and that the the more global access to talent that brands have now and um i saw the other day some some work that Saatchi and Saatchi london had done on uh, brand identity for the mba mm. and i thought that was so cool seeing a you know a london based agency create this great work for such an iconic american brand um uh, and also the brands reaching kind of new global audiences through collaborating themselves um, and that sort of that trend around uh, open source generosity. There was mm. an example that springs to mind is the, the Allbirds and Adidas collaboration um, on that more eco-friendly shoe, which I thought, you know, was a, you know, a nice way for them to reach different audiences globally. I'm sure we'll talk about collaboration in a little bit. But Alessandra, before we began, in your intro, you were telling us about sort of your uh, history within the industry and how obviously globalization is no new thing. We've obviously been all at, we've all been at it for years and years and years. I wondered what you've seen over the past couple of years, though. What has changed in terms of how brands think about themselves and how they tell themselves global? So I think, I mean, a lot has changed. But in terms of the processes that that the way in which we used to work, um, you know, when many years ago, I won't say how many, but when I started in the industry, it was um, we would get the global brands um, toolkit and downloads from, you know, some entity back in, in London or in New York. But this was my experience, especially in South America. So we would get the download from um, those uh, other offices of here's what the brand stands for and what it is and its personality and all the key elements. And we had to then with our local clients kind of distill that for our reality. But there was an exchange. There was no back and forth conversation. We would have to take it and go with it, right? While today, working with global clients, because of collaboration also talk in, in the tools that exist today, that process is really a conversation. There's an exchange. It's a two-way avenue where uh, there's many touch points at which points the global brands, you know, the, the global teams within global brands uh, are thinking about those fundamentals and then uh, share that with global with local markets, get that feedback, infuse that feedback, rethink uh, you know, how we're positioning, how we're thinking about those pillars and structures behind the brand structure and personality, and then feeding that back in. So that two-way avenue and conversation that exists today that allows for brands to be way more elastic, right? And to be uh, way more as well consistent around the world because it has taken into consideration those nuances from the get-go is something that's changed dramatically, I want to say, in the last five years. 
that's a that's phenomenal to hear that's such an optimistic way of looking at things i think claudia before keith will come to you for the b2b perspective in a second but claudia how universal is that that um new found collaboration and that kind of that one that you know two-way feedback that that alessandra was talking about there well, I think the, the two-way feedback is almost validation of something as opposed to a one-way dialogue, having something that is circular and validation of that in today's society, as we know, with social influencers and and outside uh, forces really having influence on a brand, it is not enough for a brand to take a stance and share that out. It is others that validate that. And so the authenticity um, really needs to be um, true and mm-hmm. and authentic, dare I say, because any brand can instantly be exposed in a way um, if there is something that isn't really authentic in what, what's being communicated. Absolutely. I, I know we're going to talk about that in uh, greater detail in a little bit. But Keith, I saw you nodding along quite vigorously there. It's funny, isn't it? Um, I I love everything you said, and you've just covered everything on my list. So thank you. <laughs> that was that was absolutely amazing. But the, the, there is so in my mind when I was thinking about the trends that we discover because we we work across such diverse sectors and with such diverse clients, and a lot of the themes are the same. And I think you're right. I think technology in brand has been really important. And um, Max, I think you mentioned the talent conversation as well, and about how we think about our talent within our businesses and how we execute brand globally is fundamentally different. How we collaborate has certainly been a trend, but there's two things I wanted to raise and they're kind of interlinked. It, it's funny because we it doesn't matter which boardroom we sit in and which business we're advising, there's a consistent theme that comes back. And there's two of them. One is about purpose, but actually what purpose is about in the context that the businesses and the boards are talking about is sustainability. Mm. And mm. that has been a major trend in our B2B branding. That if I look back over the last two or three years, I can't remember the last brand we did that didn't have some form of sustainability at the heart of it as well. Now, that's been driven by two ways. One is the recognition of the businesses that they have to do better, not just from a positioning perspective and in their narrative and how they present themselves, but certainly from an operational perspective as well. Um, And when I talk about sustainability, yes, I mean environmental sustainability, but I also mean commercial sustainability. And, and, And that message at the heart of so much work we're doing is, is something that has escalated in volume over the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then of course, the second side of it is purpose. And that's something particularly the B2B market, I think people are struggling with. Um, and, and, and they, well, Ritson did a piece, Mark Ritson did a piece last week, didn't he, about, about how organizations almost try too hard on purpose. And, um, and, and it's got to be something going back to Claudia's piece about authenticity, that that idea if you can't invent a purpose and then go for it, what you need to have is something that's actually intrinsic in the business because consumers, whether they be B2B consumers or whether they're B2B, B2B2C consumers, they see it. Okay, so the, the, the things that are driving the sustainability conversation particularly is the need to operate differently and act differently and then the demand from it as well, even in supply chain. Okay, well, that's that's a really neat way to lead on to the next question, which is, I wondered who do you all think is doing globalization in 2022 
really, really well. Which brands do you think are either doing, as Alessandra said, that um, internal collaboration better? Max, to your point, is using kind of tech to really power what they're doing. Claudia is using that authenticity really, really well. Max, which brands would you sort of single out as being among the best performers when it comes to going global over the last couple of years? I'll just pick out a couple that that marry up with with themes that and uh, Alessandra and Claudia mentioned there. So, on the the sort of that openness and giving the markets as much flexibility as possible, I thought the the work that Klarna are doing um, around and it feels like they've they've said to the markets, uh, you know, our the the thing we're all going to we're all going to um, be aligned on is our color scheme. You know, it, as long as it's pink and black, then it kind of feels like it's from it's from us. And so that lets people be really creative and authentic and create messaging that that resonates with their own market. It it goes back to the point I made earlier about the authenticity, and I think it's those that almost are are creating communities successfully. So if I think of Pinterest, for example, um, you know, that is a brand that is globally relevant. However, the fan base and the brand affinity is created locally by those that are um, using the the product and the service. Um, there's the other one that I think is just so clever, which is the, um, the dating app uh, Thursday, which, you know, just really um, smart branding and they're only in, in two markets in, um, North America. And I think the UK, but, um, locally relevant again, and, um, really gaining momentum in the, the crowdsourcing and clever, clever communication campaigns. When we think about globalization, often we think about the examples where people get it wrong, but who do you think is doing it really, really well? Um, so, yeah, I had a, a few examples in mind that are very different from each other, but I think are doing a great job. Like the first one that came to mind that's a recent one is Shake Shack, which is, you know, a fast food, a, a modern New York fast food brand that started out as a hot dog stand, right? Grew to become um, uh, iconic locations around New York City. And it's now expanding, but they're expanding. Also, it's interesting their expansion uh, after went to the Middle East and to Asia, to the UK, to Turkey before they went to the Americas, aka like South America, uh, which is an interesting way for an American brand to go to very different cultures, very different markets, rather than our neighbors who share a lot with us. Um, and they're doing so in a way that different from some of the brands we were talking about. It's not about localizing. It's about staying very true to the, the original experience and bringing that experience to other places, right? So it's not about having that two-way avenue where I'm infusing a lot of the local culture, culture into the brand or leaving it, uh, giving it enough space to fit into the local culture. It's all about really bringing that experience and all that the brand stands for originally into the new world and giving people uh, the opportunity to, to feel the same, um, the same feelings and experience the same vibes that they did in the locations that they originally had in New York. So they're approaching it from a different way. There's a lot of other challenges that comes operationally with doing such um, uh, such types of expansions, uh, but it's been very successful for them. And I think another one that always comes to mind is Netflix for yeah. another, right? Netflix, a brand that did both things really well, where they're activating local markets, their local teams to create local content, um, to have that relevancy in the right language with storytelling that connects 
with uh, the local culture, leveraging creators from uh, each different region and country, but then using their power and using their distribution as a way for other people to discover those contents, right? So stories from um, South Korea becoming huge global successes, um, and but each different um, local uh, audience has the opportunity to see themselves and has also the opportunity to discover all types of different content uh, from all over the world. And also those big stories that are created to resonate, right, and make sense for everybody. So I think they, they're doing an amazing job as well with a very different strategy. Alessandra, I keep getting uh, news alerts about how well Liquid Death, uh, the canned flavored water beverage are doing in the US and they've just done that massive funding round. How do you see a, a brand with a really um, irreverent sort of uh, sort of counterculture sense of humor that's so fundamental to the, the positioning? Uh, how could they best um, expand globally? And I, this sort of feels like Brewdog Light in terms of their positioning. I oh, know, sorry. Yeah. Brewdog Plus Plus in terms of kind of how out there are they and just whether that that translates, you know, into into other markets. Yeah, totally. I mean, they are a phenomenon and it's an it's an amazing brand. I think they we're gonna hear a lot more about them. I I mean, I would tap into something that Claudia said there, which is all about community, right? I think that brand. And the success it's having and it's going to have, it's this really understanding their audience, really understanding their community, what makes them tick, what they're interested in, how they want to push, push the buttons and like go, you know, go all in, go next level, be blunt, be out there, be reverent, as you said. Um, and uh, that community is global. That community exists. So it's all about to one of uh, the topics that we were going to explore. It's about the channels in which they're going to put their stories, right? Where are they going to appear alongside what types of creators are they going to try to establish those conversations and find that community outside of the U.S.? Uh, but because those global conversations exist and those channels are out there for people to engage with a sense of humor, with, uh, you know, critical thinking, with a little bit more of like a heavy metal type mindset, not just in terms of music, right? But like an approach to to entertainment and approach to social conversations um i think it's all about them finding that community and they are uh they're probably going to be everywhere very soon yeah it feels like finding your people wherever you are in the world is the key isn't it yeah and wow. probably building your brand out of that conversation with your people right it's a, again that, that two-way avenue i was talking about when it comes to marketing teams and the, the brands internally having that back and forth between global and local, I believe that same process when it exists with your community, be it where it may, like local community, global community, but having that interaction with your consumer and letting that conversation feed ideas into your process and how you're going to talk and how you're going to express yourself, even in new products and innovation you could bring into the world. Um, definitely in this day and age, it's like sine qua non for success, right? It's it's kind of expected, especially for young brands talking to young people. So I think Liquid Death is doing that job really, really well. I, I was thinking what you were saying really reminds me of, I think being part of a global organization is actually, um, the first, it, it's an honor because you are bringing people together of different cultures and backgrounds. But it is, oftentimes I just see it, it's a healthy dialogue to have. And oftentimes 
people in their own world, even in their own countries, without interacting with other cultures and countries, you just don't know. I mean, for me, for example, when I moved over to the UK 11 years ago, I thought everything here was wrong. <laughs> uh, it wasn't wrong. Well, it to, be fair, to be fair, I think you're, I think you were right about that to some extent. No, no, it's, <laughs> Different. And I, I can see that as, you know, and now having been here for many years and you see that in every other culture, but you see others coming in that are experiencing that for the first time, um, believing that their way is the right way. And it's not that. And uh, I even you know had this earlier this week of um, in the U.S., Black History Month is in February. In the U.K., Black History Month is this month in October. And understanding why those months and the timings are different as well and just educating uh, people is, is super important. And it's something that we should constantly be doing within our organizations. If you do it, you know, global brand expansion, have the dialogue internally, gain consensus, and then be confident with the ability to execute um, globally. Um, well, before we could talk about that for hours and hours and hours, but one of the things that I know are lead on the deep dive um, our US editor Ken wants to talk about is, is it possible to do a properly global campaign these days without it becoming almost anodyne, without it becoming a, you know, a overall, a almost targetless marketing approach? Yeah, I think, I think the, the brand has got to do one thing and the communications have got to do another. So if I give you an example of a company I'm working with at the moment, they're in IT infrastructure, they're global. And what if you could imagine they work across all sorts of countries, territories, geographies, and the maturity of those markets is quite different. So they will be in areas of the world where their brand is very well recognized and they're doing business at like, you know, they'll be putting an infrastructure in for a client at four billion. Right. And then there'll be in other countries where literally they're laying, laying pipes and they're putting infrastructure in. Now, the brand in that moment has got to stand for the same thing. It's a global brand. But how we use that global brand strategy, how we articulate it in those geographies, in those territories that we're in, has to come from the ground up. So it's that little piece that Claudia was talking about and Alessandra was talking about and Max has mentioned about that global local. But in that moment, it's more local global, right? Because your brand's got to have a different job. And what we tend to do in those moments is kind of the brand activation becomes different and the measurement behind it becomes local. And that's the thing that feeds back up into the brand. And that's that's a structure that we're kind of working on with several clients. I don't know if anybody else has the same experiences. I like that. We really, we, we define ourselves as the, the challenger agency for challenger brands. And what that translates into is defining and understanding what kind of brand you are and who you stand for, right? And finding that USP that makes you unique um, and not trying to be everything to everyone. So if we think about the original question of can a global campaign or a message be relevant globally, if the idea is right, it is globally relevant, but it is localized to be relevant as it would be in, in each market. And I think the brands are do, that are doing that well um, have that ability to, to pivot or really adapt into whatever is, is locally relevant. So the campaign does need to be, again, broad enough, but um, unique enough to be individualized um, in each market. It's, it might be a cliche. I mean, it is a cliche example, but it is a powerful example. It's Nike, right? Nike does this job really, really well. 
where they land, they develop um, campaign ideas that are, to Claudia's point, broad enough, big enough to be really anchored on on the human insight that is independent of location, independent of culture, independent of um, the current situation uh, in any geography. Uh, So it's really tapping into um, an emotional and human uh, insight as it relates to the culture. So they understand their audience. They're not trying to talk to everybody. They will, you know, focus on who that, uh, who that audience is, what the mindset is, but that mindset and that human insight is um, broad enough to be something that connects emotionally with people all over the world, but then they leave enough flexibility. So they create that look and feel, right? They, they create what the design, the, the, the visual identity of that campaign looks like. And, but they leave enough flexibility within the execution of it for you to bring in local creators, for you to bring in local partners, local athletes, uh, to give that voice that really speaks to your community in that area. So it is globally relevant in the sense that's tapping into that human truth, but it is locally execution in the way uh, in which they bring those partners, in way the in way they bring the campaign to life, uh, to really showcase uh, either the local culture or the local partnerships and people that can speak to me, right, as a Brazilian or as a Canadian or as uh, whatever way in which I recognize myself in my local community. Just following on from Alessandra's Nike point, I would recommend that people ch- um, check out the and one documentary on Netflix, which is such a great example as decades ago now, but of huge and really fast uh, global growth, both in um, both in kind of brand recognition, but also sales through owning the street basketball craze. They, they knew that they didn't have the budgets to get uh, professional athletes. And um, so they just did a, such a great job of community building and, um, the, the the tour they took around the US and then that blew up and uh, hit so many European cities and it was the kind of going viral before that was a thing people passing around mixtapes and making copies of it it was um, uh, yeah, a really fun watch and then one I recommend See that's that's fascinating as well and that leads very nearly on to kind of my next question which is which channels now would you think are the most important for let's say B2C brands for now in going global. So I think, Chloe, you mentioned some of kind of the social aspects of this before. Would you say that some social channels remain the priority for brands who really want to appeal to that global audience? Absolutely. I think the the social channels are are key. And um, I oftentimes wonder to myself as I'm scrolling through social, if I'm seeing things because of the algorithm or if it is clever advertising or, you know, um, uh, if it is something that because of my behaviors, things are, are popping up in that way. So I think there is still a little bit of um, trepidation as to the, again, the authenticity of it. But social certainly gives you the reach and also can allow for very um, uh, quick momentum for something that is uh, successful and can be relatively low cost of entry with low risk to be able to do something quite um, briskly. And then of course the thought leadership piece, there are those brands that are um, always top of mind. And why are they top of mind? I think because they are recognized as as thought leaders. So if you're a new um, uh, competitor and entering 
a new market, being able to understand how to provide some of that thought leadership in a new market and a different point of view that might be able to attract um, some new audiences. And so as a follow-on question, I wondered, what would you say some of the other channels that we've seen as being particularly important for brands who are looking to go global? Are we looking at something like, um, you know, digital spend just to increase awareness of the brand? Are we looking at things like using people on the ground as ambassadors? What would you say are some of those most important channels that we've seen? I mean, if I may jump in and build on what Claudia said, uh, channels in social networks, right? But social media are key, but it's all about in your audience behavior. It all, it's my, my approach to it is always starting from who are we trying to connect with and why? And where are they experiencing life? Where are they discovering brands? Where are they living their, experiencing their passion points? Um, and how do we then create stories that can connect with them on those spaces? So thinking about the usage of platforms, what platforms are they in and for what purpose? And how are they experiencing them? And then, uh, you know, then creating the stories that will connect. Um, a lot of those times it is through social for brand discoverability, but also YouTube. YouTube, I think, is ubiquitous and, and such an amazing channel for short-term content, for long-term content, for paid media, for partnership with creators, right? For tapping into, again, those passion points as a way into introducing your brand. Uh, tapping into those curiosities and search and the how-to behaviors that people are having around things that they're interested in or things they want to do or things they want to learn more about. So, and it is it is a, a powerful global channel um, that works across different generations. So it is definitely something that I always uh, keep on the list and think about on top of social. Yeah, 100%. That makes so much sense. And Keith, what would you say then as some of the... Uh some of the, the channels that you've seen as being you know, top of mind when it comes to marketers going global? Yeah, I think I think we've got to work really, really smartly. If you look at what we need to think about for our businesses and the kind of I'm thinking about some of the transitions that we're helping businesses make in brands. So you've got people who created an awful lot of litter and waste now trying to run campaigns based around their own packaging and the things that they produce. I've got people who previously manufactured, built and made fossil fuel powered energy units for heavy plant, trying to help and educate people to get to carbon net zero. I've got people who are designing cities who are thinking about how how people are going to age in that city because we're all living more, how we're going to design road systems that allow packaging to get you know uh, the things that we need to get in and out so you're looking at like not just the city center systems but the thing that the ones that sit in the conurbations around it and i just think those are the kind of challenges that we're helping people with at the moment and um i'm going to go back to alessandra's point because it's it's a really interesting one is it's basic marketing how do you get to the people who are you're trying to communicate to right and and the socials are not the answer to everything there are, you know, for me, they're not. And certainly in the B2B space, they're not. LinkedIn is getting absolutely obliterated. So after that, how do you reach your customers? And I, I think the opinion leader thing and, and owning the, the knowledge of your sector and the thing that you're trying to um, deliver is yet to be fully explored. If you look at the role of influencers, for example, 
in, in, in B2C marketing. It's absolutely huge. That's something that isn't fully explored yet in B2B. Mm. You know, we, we have opinion leaders, but I mean, we don't necessarily have influencers in the same way. I just, I just think about some people I know, you know, I've got a PT, he's got a hundred thousand followers. I've got like, there's a guy at work who eats food. There's another one that does fashion at work. They, these people have got hundreds Sorry. of thousands of followers, right? Yeah, literally being paid to I mean, eat I food. eat food too. Um, yeah, it's, it's, no, but what we're saying is they're, they're influencing consumption and brand experience in some way or other. And I don't think we've really got our head around that, and particularly in the B2B space. And I think there's lots of lessons to learn. Um, even a, yeah, so, so there's, yeah, it, 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 it sounds like a longer rambling answer to a complex question, but I think we need to just be smarter. Keith, I want to, um, what you were saying about influencers actually just had me thinking about um, the brand Patagonia that wasn't relying on influencers, but again, the, the, the genesis of the brand and really being there for the world of good and getting people outdoors and supporting employees and selling back uh, part of the company. Think about the positive PR um, and marketing and awareness that the business received as a, as a result of that. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that with no, no influencers, no outside forces. Um, what's your take? Patagonia is a really interesting brand and business, right? Because it's, you know, when we talk about authenticity, it might be the most authentic purpose-led brand that's that's kind of been created. What they've not got, what they've had the opportunity of is no legacy. Mm. And what you see is a completely different kind of curve around authenticity and purpose and the Patagonia model. Like they've been able to create that business from the scratch with the, with that whole thing at heart. And I think the the step into employee ownership is quite an interesting one. Um, it's cost him a lot, hasn't it? To 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 just kind of gift gift the company. He's not he's not just giving up the shares, but he's giving up the future revenues. But the thing is, it's in a great place to do that. You know, so it's just, it's the next life cycle of that business. That's what's quite interesting about it. I think the complexity around what he's done is he's, he's, he's always created a business that could go down that path. If you look at lots of other businesses, because of the way that they've evolved, it's a very difficult thing for them to to achieve. Um, But, but it's certainly, yeah, it's, it's certainly kind of paving the way for people to think differently about how they operate and actually what they're in business for. Yep. It goes back to purpose and sustainability. Um, One of those globally relevant, authentic um, ideas that I just think are relevant no matter what brand you are. Um, It's it's almost a classic case study, isn't it? But I think, I think the, the reality of it is that that's actually quite difficult to do for other businesses um yeah. just in terms of their ownership or how they're structured or how they operate or their supply chain or how they're financed and um but it's it's a it's a wonderful example of getting it as about as right as you can i will get you all back for our dedicated patagonia podcast when we do that because inevitably we'll be talking about that specifically but i want to say thank you so much to the guests for taking the time to come on and have this chat uh, alessandra if people want to find you where's the best place for them to do it company website linkedin where can they find you Probably LinkedIn, Alessandra Pino, P-I-N-H-O. Perfect. And Max? LinkedIn also, M-A-X-D-A-W-E-S. I'm quite active on there. Very nice. Claudia? 
same. I'm going to follow the trend and go with LinkedIn. Uh, Claudia Stevenson with a PH. Um, look forward to hearing from anyone that would like to chat. Very nice. And Keith. I'm going to break the mold a little bit. Of course, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Keith Taylor, Emperor. But um, hey, have a look at emperor.works or you can email me directly, keith.taylor.emperor.works. What about everyone's Twitch handles? If you, <laughs> yeah, if you want to give Twitch handles, I'll include them in the show notes. But yeah, thank you so much, Alessandra, Keith, Claudia, and Max for taking the time to have this discussion with me. And we'll have to get you back in another couple of months to talk about you know all our predictions and where we see the big opportunity coming over the next couple of years. But for now, thank you so much to my guests. Thank you so much to the listeners as well. Please do stick around. Go to thedrum.com where we're going to be writing about globalization all this week. And in fact, considering everything we've spoken about today, I think it's fair to say we're going to be writing about it as well for quite some time. But for now, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. <laughs>